We're in a series on the Psalms that we're calling The Voice. And the reason is, most of the Bible has God speaking to us. The Psalms primarily are people speaking to God. And one of the things that people have done through the centuries is to add their voices to the voice of the author as they use those words to speak to God as well. So we've been doing that. Logan got us started a couple of weeks ago. We looked at Psalm 34, the voice of refuge where God provides a place of protection and provision. Then we looked at Psalm 23, the voice of trust where we've got a shepherd that's guiding us, not just loving us, but he's in control of all that there is. And he leads us sometimes to places we may not want to go, but he knows what's best to mature us and strengthen us and grow us. And then last week, Carlos walked us through Psalm 100, the voice of grateful praise, where out of that deliverance, out of that grace, out of those expressions that God shows us blessing, we raise our voices and give praise and thanks to him. Well, this morning, we're gonna look at Psalm 40, and Psalm 40 is a little different in that Psalm 40 is kind of like a roller coaster. So let me ask you, how many of you guys like to ride a roller coaster? I know some of you. Yeah, most of you. I know you do, Ben. I know. Uh, okay, a roller coaster goes up and down and up and down. And Psalm 40 is kind of like that. When you read most of the Psalms, you get one cycle. You get one loop of the sine curve, right? But in Psalm 40, you get up and down, up and down, up and down. And what's really strange about that is that David is the author. And you may look at that, wait a minute. David's the king and he ruled for 40 years. The Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. He was walking with God most of his life. How in the world can David experience the pit? How can David experience things that are down well, if you know anything about David's life, you realize he really rode the roller coaster up and down. Let me just mention a few of those loops for those of you that may not know or remind you of them. David's anointed king when he's a little kid. Boy, that's kind of a high experience, right? Here you are out tending sheep for your dad. Next thing you know, you're announced as the next king of Israel. But he doesn't take the throne right away. He runs from Saul because the king seated on the throne is trying to kill him. He goes from the pinnacle to the pit, right? Well, eventually he makes it to the throne and he has lots of success. He's riding a high wave again. Before you know it, the Bible tells us about his sin with Bathsheba and he's in the pit again. But God delivers him, brings forgiveness, and he begins to experience blessing again and he's up again. And then before you know it, Absalom, his son, is throwing him out of Jerusalem, out of the kingdom. David rides a roller coaster. And I love Psalm 40 because we see the ups and downs, the ups and downs. Isn't that how your life goes? You're in the pit, right? You're in a mess, feeling hopeless and helpless. But then God rescues and, well, you get a little, you get strong footing again and now you're rising. But before you know it, you're kind of struck down again and you're up and down just like Psalm 40. So one of the few Psalms where we ride the roller coaster of life. Well, if you have your Bibles, your phone, your iPad, whatever, follow along as I read these 17 verses. And maybe you think of your life in the context. You think of David's life and see if you can see the ups and downs of life and how God brings deliverance and rescue 
time and time again. Here's what David writes. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done and the things you plan for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here, am I, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Pitt again. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back to disgrace. May those who say to me, ah, ah, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. The roller coaster of life as God delivers and rescues again and again. Well, the psalm begins with David in the pit. He's in a slimy pit. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, maybe when you read that about the slimy pit, maybe you think of Jeremiah chapter 38, where the prophet was thrown into a cistern. Now, a cistern's kind of like a pit, right? Cisterns usually hold water, but the cistern that Jeremiah got thrown into didn't have any water. But it was a muddy bottom, and they threw the prophet in, and he began to sink. Why was Jeremiah thrown into the pit? Because he was speaking God's word to the people and saying, hey, the Babylonians are going to come, and they're bringing judgment, and Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. And the people didn't want to hear it, so they threw him into the pit. And if the king didn't send some people to rescue him, Jeremiah would have died in the pit. Now, as best we can tell in Psalm 40, David's not in a literal pit. But sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? I read a commentator this week who just said, you know, life is kind of full of pits that we often fall into. Let, let me mention a couple, and you can kind of take inventory of your own life. And have you been? Are you in? If not, you will be in some of these pits. How about the pit of affliction? Boy, it seems like uh, these days just people I know, and I don't know that many pe people I know, are experiencing illness and disease and affliction. Boy, almost like never before. COVID, death, broken hips, heart attacks, 
cancer, death of a loved one, agony. Boy, we are surrounded by affliction and pain and illness, aren't we? Have you ever been there? Some of you were there this morning. Whether you're thinking about your diminished capacity, looking at the future that doesn't seem so bright, it kind of can feel like a pit, can it? And you're in this slimy pit and there's no way out. And you go over to a wall and you try to get a footing or a handhold, but it doesn't work. The sides of the pit are slick. You can't climb out. Illness, disease, affliction, death, all those things. You're in a pit. Those of you that may be there or will be there, I just want you to know we have a great care team here at Calvary Church that Chad leads. We've got a counseling center right here. I encourage you, when you're feeling hopeless and helpless in the pit of affliction, Contact us. Call the church. We may not be able to solve the problem, but we can maybe come alongside with some resources that can help a little bit. Well, if it's not the pit of affliction, how about the pit of sin? You ever look at your life and you realize some time ago, months, years, whatever, you could have said no. But those days are long past now, right? You're stuck now. You're in a pit and can't get out. David knew that pit of sin, right? It started out innocently. We read in the scripture that when all the kings go off the war, David stayed home. Just kind of innocent. We're not even sure there's anything wrong with that. But while he's home and all the soldiers and all the army, they went out to war David's walking around his roof, just kind of gazing one night, and he notices uh, a beautiful woman bathing next door. He makes inquiries. He finds out that not only is she married, she's married to one of his most trusted soldiers. He invites her to the palace. He seduces her, sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant. Boy, David's in a pit, right? But rather than climb out, He spins his wheels. He sends for her husband from the front, but he has more integrity than he planned. So Uriah won't go home and sleep with his wife and hopefully cover the sin. Uriah stays in the palace. David doesn't know what to do. So he sends Uriah back with his own death sentence in his hand. And the general is told to let Uriah lead the charge that has no way of succeeding. And Uriah is killed. Adultery and murder. That's David's story. That's a pit, right? At one point, you could have said no. Those days are long past now, right? You're stuck. How do you get out? If you're there, you know. Self-help isn't going to get you out, is it? You need to be rescued And that implies from the outside, not the inside. How about the pit of bad habits, right? Um, Now, look, God made us kind of as habitual creatures. You ever notice that? And 
there are lots of good habits we have, right? I don't know what good habits you have. I got a couple good habits. Um, maybe some of your good habits are you read the Bible and pray faithfully. Maybe you do it every day. Maybe you do it every other day. But you have devotions, quiet time, whatever you want to call it. But you kind of check in with God. And that's a habit. You know, you, you can't, your life doesn't feel, your day doesn't feel complete unless you do it. Others of you have the good habit of exercising. You hit the gym regularly. Others of you don't. Um, some of you may have the habit of watching your diet. Some of you have the marriage habit, right? The great habit, going on dates with your spouse, one, spouse once a week, couple times a month. You go out, just the two of you check in, make sure things are going well. You have the habit of family time, meal time with the kids. Lots of good habits we've got, right? But we've also got some bad ones, don't we? Addictions to something. And when the pressure's on, you're feeling stressed out, that's where you go. For a little relief, for a little comfort, you go to that thing, whatever it is. Maybe it's the bad habit of overeating, the bad habit of laziness, the bad habit of self-centeredness, the bad habit of gossip. We have lots of bad habits. And you know what? We practice those good habits and bad habits so often, you kind of get stuck, right? And just like the good habits, if you don't do those things, your life doesn't feel in sync. Well, we gravitate sometimes to bad habits. And before you know it, our life, it doesn't feel in sync if we're not performing the bad rituals. How do you get out? Stuck. How about the pit of um, circumstances? You know, sometimes we don't even create the pit. Now, we dig our own pits, but... Sometimes the pits are dug for us. Think of some of the pits that David faced, right? They were something he didn't do. I mean, he didn't make Saul try to chase him down. I just finished reading through Genesis. And, the whole, you know, almost the last third of Genesis is all about Joseph. I'll tell you what, you talk about circumstances, bad circumstances in the pit. Uh, check this out. Joseph is sold by his brothers so they can profit. Rather than just kill the guy, they sell him so they can get a little money for him. Now, look, I don't know what kind of sibling rivalry has happened in your family. Your siblings didn't sell you, right? They sell. Well, anyway, he gets taken to um, Egypt. When he's in Egypt, he's bought by Potiphar. He goes in and God kind of blesses him and he rises through the ranks. And before you know it, he's kind of overseeing Potiphar's entire life. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of raping her, trying to rape her. Potiphar then throws him into prison. He's unjustly thrown into prison. He's then forgotten by a couple people that he helps and he's languishing in prison. Circumstance, he's in a pit. He's in prison, falsely accused, unjustly in prison, forgotten by people that he helped. He can't get out of this pit. Circumstances. You feel like you're in a pit and you really didn't have a whole lot to do with it? Maybe you feel like you're in a bad marriage. Things, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Maybe you got some kids. You, you did the best you could. You weren't perfect, but you raised them. To, and they just took off and they turned their backs on God and on you. The pit, right? Financial pit. You tried to be faithful at your job. You jumped through um, the hoops that were laid out for you. You got half decent, you know, performance reviews. You lost your job, and 
you're in a financial mess. Circumstantial pits. Are you there this morning? You know, the reality of life and the truth of Psalm 40 is this. You're either coming out of a pit, you're in a pit, or you're about to enter one. That's kind of how life works, right? Life's hard, and then you die. I mean, Psalm 40 is honest, right? I mean, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're up, and the story just seems to go on and on. And our lives are littered with these pits, and at least David's being honest and saying, yeah, I was in the in the mud and the mire and couldn't get out. Oh yeah, and God delivered me. But then a little while later he says, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm stuck. My sins surround me. I'm in a pit again. Boy, that's my story, right? That's David's story. I'd be willing to bet that's your story. Well, what can we learn from the psalm about how to process that? Well, the one thing right on the surface of the psalm, and all the psalms teach us this, I hope you've been learning this, Most of the Bible's God's word to us. The Psalms are often our words to God. And notice the author's words to God are uncensored, unfiltered, and they're raw. You know, sometimes we feel like we have to kind of clean up everything before we come to God. And you you know, you don't really tell God what you're thinking. He already knows what you're thinking, right? The psalmists are often like a little kid. You ever notice that little kids, they have no filter. Whatever they're thinking, they tell you. Whatever they think about you, they tell you, right? I mean, how many times have you seen a little, if you haven't, you can check out in the nursery, things like this, bad daddy, bad mommy. Uh, we, we have two little grandkids, a little one that was in there, bad Mimi phase, right? He doesn't get what he wants. You're a bad grandparent. You're a bad parent. Well, you kind of see some of that in the Psalms, right? They're unfiltered. God, you're being unfair. These people are coming to attack me and you're not doing anything about it. God, don't you hear my prayers? I feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling. Why are you so, uh, why are you waiting so long? How long is this going to take? Complaints, just like little kids, unfiltered, talking to God. That's what we see in the Psalms. That's what we see in Psalm 40. David's honest about the pits he's in. Well, that's not the end of the Psalm. Then there's praise, right? There's praise because God delivers him. God delivers him. And I love how David says it in Psalm 40. He says this. He, verse two, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on the rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. Out of the pits comes praise when God rescues. He waited patiently, but God delivered him. He raised him out of the pit. I don't know about you, but... uh, Sometimes when I'm in a pit, things aren't going the way I want, I pray, and then all of a sudden God rescues. But I don't take a whole lot of time to reflect and give thanks for the rescue. I'm just kind of grateful it's over. I'm moving on to the next thing now, right? David pauses. David pauses to rejoice. And not only that, David then says, I need to recommit to trust. A couple verses down here, here's what he says. Verse 4. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud. And if you jump down to verse six, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you opened. Now here's what David's doing. He's connecting two things that we often disconnect. Here's what he's saying. All of our actions, right? The sacrifice and offering, they're actions. They're things you do out here. They come from stuff in here. 
The trust stuff, right? The faith stuff is on the inside, but what's on the inside will always be manifest on the outside. And so David says, yeah, you know, sacrifice and offering, it's really good to do those things on the outside, but recognize that all the stuff you do, good and bad on the outside, it's coming from something on the inside. Uh, here's a, a plug for the pillars course. <laughs> We're gonna take a few weeks to look at that dynamic between the root and the fruit. We spend so much time on fruit, we don't talk a lot about the root. We're gonna do that. Uh, I, I meet with a group of guys that we met Thursday or Wednesday morning, and we talked about Psalm 90. Now, Psalm 90 is a psalm that Moses wrote. And somehow, during the course of our discussion, it came up um, that Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. You knew that, right? Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. And immediately, those of you that know the story will answer the question. Why was Moses not allowed into the promised land? This is from at Numbers chapter 20, I think. Why was Moses? Because Moses, God said, speak to the rock, and Moses took a staff and struck the rock. He hit the rock. God said, speak, he struck. Why wasn't Moses allowed in? Because God told him to do this, and he did that. Yeah, but underneath that, we, we, we say, yeah, that's true. But why did he strike the rock and not speak to the rock? Because underneath the action was trust. And so in Numbers 20, here's the reason as God gives it. Because you did not trust me. He didn't trust on the inside, took matters into his own hands, did it his way on the outside. That's the problem. It's always an internal problem before it's an external problem. And see, the praise kind of thing's always about that. When God brings a rescue, that doesn't mean it's over, just move on. That means you rejoice and give praise, but you remember and you recommit and you make a resolution that now there will be change on the inside based on God's rescue and deliverance as you move to the future. And then at the end of the psalm, David prays. And he's kind of stuck again, right? And he comes before the Lord and he prays. He says, Lord, please deliver me. I know I'm going to enter pits and I know I'm entering a pit soon. And Lord, I pray that you would deliver me and that you would see me out through this. He rides the roller coaster. When God delivers, he rejoices. He remembers. He makes resolution to follow. And he prays, Lord, I'm entering another difficulty. I need you to do something about it. I can't do it myself. I need you to do it. Now, it would be maybe normal and nice to end our sermon here. Somebody think, yeah, that, that's a really good idea, Charles. That, that's good. But in a sense, we can't do that. Let me uh, give you a little, uh, a, a little thought of, of what I've been doing these past uh, couple of years. And again, most of what I do, you don't want to do, but you may want to do this. Uh, when you read a psalm or you read a section of the Bible, first question, when I, so what is this teaching? What's it teaching me about God? What's it teaching me about me or about people? And how does it point to Jesus? And so uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm reading through Psalms. And so here, here's what I'm doing. I read through the Psalm and I kind of ask the question, so what's this teaching me? What did I learn? And we just did that, right? What are we learning about God? He's the rescuer. What are we learning about ourselves? We kind of ride the roller coaster of up and down, up and down. Some pits we dig for ourselves. Other pits people throw us in. Lots of pits. God delivers, rescues. And then we're to reflect. That's how it goes. How does it point to Jesus? So uh, here's what I encourage you to do. We've got a couple more weeks of Psalms. Here's what I encourage you. After you read the Psalm, 
and ask, what's it teaching? What did I learn about God? What did I learn about myself? Reread the psalm. And this time, picture Jesus praying that psalm. If the psalms are songs of God, then the songs are about Jesus. Jesus became a human being. He went through life as we do. He can sing the songs just like we can, right? How's the song pointing us to him? And how is the psalm about him? How could Jesus sing the song and then how is it about him? Boy, Psalm 40 is a great place to do that. Because Psalm 40 points directly to Jesus. If you move the slides up a couple of bit to the next one. I'm not sure you know this, but Psalm 40 is actually quoted in Hebrews chapter 10. I've often, for years now, I refer to Hebrews chapter 10, these verses 5 through 7. I refer to these verses as the Christmas story according to Jesus. We often read the Christmas story according to Matthew. We read the Christmas story according to Luke. Here's the Christmas story according to Jesus. Now notice, the writer of Hebrews is going to quote Psalm 40. Some of this is going to sound real familiar, right? We've read it twice, talked about it. But notice what the writer of Hebrews does at the beginning. Here's what he says. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Jesus said, but what does he say? He says what Psalm 40 says. Now let's read these couple verses from Psalm 40. And you picture them coming from Jesus' mouth and tell me if this doesn't change everything. Jesus says, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I, Jesus said, see God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. So what does Psalm 40 point to? Psalm 40 points to the fact that we can't perform the sacrifices and offerings. We can't produce the trust inside of us. We need to be rescued from someone outside. And Psalm 40 points to Hebrews 10 where Jesus says, I am the one. The real solution is the body that he took on, the death he died, the resurrection he, that's the point. And that's where ultimate rescue, ultimate forgiveness, and ultimate forever redemption comes. It's not in the psalmist. It's not in you. It's not in me. We can't climb out of the pit. And yes, God does it, but ultimately God does it by sending Jesus. And Jesus reminds us in Hebrews 10, Psalm 40 is my psalm. You know what? You go, we don't have time. You go back and read through Psalm 40, having the words on Jesus' lips. Here's how it begins. I waited patiently for you. Boy, don't you picture Jesus waiting patiently for the resurrection to come, waiting patiently for the kingdom? He didn't take matters into his own hands like so often the people of the Old Testament did. He waited for God's timing. He waited patiently. He went into a literal pit, right? He was raised and delivered. 
And he was raised and delivered because he bore our sins. God was pleased with the offering, and he announces that deliverance once and for all. And one day, the cycle from pit to pinnacle will end forever. And it ends because of the rescue that Jesus gives to us. Let's pray. Father, it's easy for us to uh, read a psalm like Psalm 40 and think, boy, that's my life. I mean, it's up and down. Some of the pits are my own doing. Some of the pits other people have thrown me in. Some of the pits just come because of the circumstances of life. And yet, Lord, I'm often in a pit and I'm hopeless and helpless and can't get out. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, in an unfiltered way, come to you. Lord, help us not to look to our own devices, our own resources. Help us to recognize that the ultimate deliverer is the one to whom Psalm 40 points. The one who took on a body, paid the debt, announces deliverance once and for all to end the cycle and into eternity to find redemption, forgiveness, and rescue. We pray in his name. Amen.